I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Birth Stories with me, Clemmie Hooper, created by Offscript. I was, um, <laughs> I was really hungover which was kind of normal and I think I'd only just like moved in with my boyfriend probably like two months before we hadn't been together very long like maybe eight months in total I felt so unwell and then I sort of clicked that my period was a bit late I was 31 (laughs) I was quite grown up but I wasn't monitoring my periods or anything I wasn't thinking about that I remember peeing into a glass first because I was like, I, I didn't, you probably don't need this detail. And I remember it saying, oh, it would take three minutes. And within about two seconds, two lines came up. I just started crying because I was like, I hadn't planned this. This is not how I envisaged finding out that I was pregnant for the first time. Like, I was expecting this kind of like, oh, it's so happy. And it was like, what the fuck? Hello, I'm Clemmie Hooper and welcome to Birth Stories, a podcast where I talk to amazing women about the fascinating and unique ways they have their babies. I'm a midwife and a mother of four. And I also run a blog called Gassanair, where women can share their stories of childbirth. Just a quick note, we'll be talking about childbirth in a lot of detail, so you may not want to listen to this podcast around young children. Today's guest is journalist and author Bryony Gordon. I'm a huge fan of Bryony's books, in which she writes about her hedonistic 20s, mental health and her love of running, amongst many other things. Bryony, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I remember reading your blog when I was pregnant. It was one of the the few kind of like (laughs) bright lights in an otherwise very dark experience. (laughs) So thank you. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I've read a bit of your birth story because you wrote about it in your book, didn't you? Yeah, in the wrong knickers. In the wrong knickers. Did I write it? Yeah, I wrote about it in one of them. We opened the podcast with you talking about how you found out you were pregnant. And um, like I'm sure many women can relate to, your um, pregnancy wasn't planned. No. And um, finding out you were pregnant wasn't a moment of joy and happiness and relief. It was shock, Mm -hmm. horror, fear, Mm -hmm. um, Actually, the same feelings I felt when I um, found out I was pregnant when I was 23. So young. So young. And you were just saying you were 31, but I don't think it actually matters. Mm. And Um, it it doesn't matter what age. It is like a huge thing, isn't it? I mean, it is is, literally (laughs) life-changing. It is life-changing. On a whole, how did you feel during your whole pregnancy? How would you describe it? I would just say, I would say that my whole pregnancy, I felt fucking awful. And I remember thinking all the time that if I hadn't known I was pregnant, I would have thought I was dying. It wasn't that I was really sick or anything. I was just mad. And for me, pregnancy was this kind of, obviously, I was incredibly excited, but I was also incredibly scared. You know, I now look back and I realise I was, I was an alcoholic and an addict and I stopped 
drinking. I stopped taking the drugs I was taking immediately. I stopped taking the legal drugs I was taking, the antidepressants. And it was like going cold turkey with a load of hormones as well going on. So I was really, really quite mentally unstable. And so it was a really, really uh, weird tricky time when I think back to it and I'm kind of amazed that my husband didn't kind of run away I used to run away quite frequently I'd like pack my bags and just walk off and go and walk for like seven miles I don't know what like I was properly mad um I look back and I think I can't believe anyone let me have a baby it blows my mind I mean I'm so glad they did now (laughs) but I I you know god Yeah, it wasn't the kind of like glowing, wonderful experience that I imagined it. I also, what I did love was that I just stopped drinking and smoking like that. And I was like, I'm cured. (laughs) This is amazing. It didn't, I thought, oh, now that's it. My, all the problems that I have come back because of my drinking are are gone. So I I kind of enjoyed that bit of it. Of course, you know, years later, I realised that wasn't true. But yeah, pregnancy was... Not something I'd be completely like, and and, and, well, I'm clearly not in any rush to repeat because my daughter turns six next week. (laughs) (laughs) I remember um, we bought a flat together. I was like, really, like, oh, this is I'm I'm growing up. I had I had a bugaboo ready. My 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 now husband had like painted the nursery. All the things you think you should be doing. This was just like it was so batshit crazy that this was happening to me. Like I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it because I was a complete mess. Like for most of my 20s. Or I wouldn't say mess, but I was incredibly chaotic. You know, I took a lot of drugs, drank a lot of booze, had a lot of inappropriate relationships. You know, my longest relationship was sort of with the Marlboro Light. And I felt a bit of a stereotype. And then suddenly this kind of white knight had ridden in, rode in. Um, And at the time I was having a relationship with a man who was not available, put it that way, uh, who treated me really badly and was much older than me. And I remember leaving him for my husband. And it was, Harry was so kind and he was so kind of patient. And it was, in my head, it was all of the things that were, um, I'd been taught growing up that I was going to be saved by a man and I was going to be saved by getting married and having a baby and all of that, which of course isn't true now I realise although I think a lot that the, the, the ED was certainly the catalyst for me getting better in many ways because I, I had to sort myself out mm. I didn't have like a birth plan per no. se because I was I was trying to get to grips with so many other elements of my life and I I'd sort of fantasised that I might have a water birth or something like that but I hadn't done hypnobirthing I hadn't everyone had told me to do all these things and I just hadn't I was terrified I was trying to get to I was trying to deal with my own mental health and I couldn't quite plan for labor like it didn't it didn't feel real to me and Mm. it it also felt like something that had to be done so there was no point in focusing too much on it so I didn't really listen at NCT I didn't you know I, I, I didn't I didn't have a plan she was due on April the 21st or something. And she didn't come on April the 21st. No, she didn't. Um, so it was a Sunday night, right? Da, yeah. da, da. And I'd gone and met my NCT group. Ah, uh, yes. Who I was like tentatively only, I'd only just started kind of meeting. And one of them had given birth. 
I was heavily pregnant. I was quite happy and I'd gone into nesting mode. I'd started ironing shirts. Like, <laughs> like I I've never done that since, can I just say. And um, I was watching Gossip Girl. So I'd gone on maternity leave and I'd got really into Gossip Girl. And I got particularly um, into one of the characters called Chuck Bass. <laughs> I, I I loved him, and he was he had an American accent in Gossip Girl, but I, I found out he was British, mm. right? So anyway, we it was a classic Saturday night. We'd ordered pizza, like posh pizza that came by the yard. You oh, know that one, love yeah. That pizza. And I'd probably ordered about ten yards, okay. And um, we were watching Gossip Girl, and then I got into bed, and I remember on my phone, I was like, I really want to hear this actor's English voice. And I Googled and up came this video on YouTube of this actor being interviewed on GMTV by Andrew Castle. And while I was watching it, my waters broke. <laughs> and I was like, the excitement of hearing this actor uh, with, a, with a dashing English accent. And I was like, I think my waters have broken. And But it was like t- two, three weeks early. But I was like, no, no, I definitely think it, it was... It was it wasn't quite as dramatic as you expect it to be. It but never it, is, actually. But, it, but there was definitely a sort of feeling and then some sort of dribbling mm. and, it, you know, that wasn't wasn't necessarily within my control. Um, and I remember we went, we drove to St Thomas's and there was a traffic light that was out and it was stuck on red. And it must have been about one in the morning by this time. And my husband, who's like very road safe, you know, drives at five miles an hour kind of thing, <laughs> was like, no, we can't go. We can't go. And by this point, I was like in a reasonable amount of pain. So eventually I screamed at Harry and hit, got him to run a red light because like 15 minutes had passed. And I remember we were listening to Ellie Goulding, Anything Could Happen. You know, that do it's a great do, song do, 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 do. and I'm um, turning up at the hospital and they were like yeah your waters are broken go home and I was like what what this is a very dramatic moment in my life what do you mean go home <laughs> do you think you wanted more of a I was like, like where is everyone yeah. like you know what 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 is this like you know I kind of like I started tweeting I started tweeting they sent me home and they said if you haven't gone into labour in a 24 hours come back and we will induce you because of infection and stuff yeah. like that so I went home and um, they were like, walk around. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm about to go into labour. I'm going to lie down and rest. And I remember lying down and resting. And then I remember realising I had to write some columns. Oh. Because I thought I'd had like another three weeks to write them. But I had to get a load done. So I didn't have to write during the early eight. So I sat on um, my birthing ball, which was yeah. one of the, the few things that I had sort of bought in preparation. And I sat on, yeah, I sat on the birthing ball with my laptop on my knees and wrote these columns. <laughs> so this is in the middle of the night still? Yeah, this was while I was like, you know, having contractions mm. and sending, then sending Harry to go and get me a TENS machine. Yeah. Because I was like, have to take, take paracetamol. I was like, what do you mean take paracetamol? That's what you take for a headache. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was waiting for the drugs. I was like, I haven't had any drugs for nine months. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is my moment. Legal drugs that are going to be given to me free. Um, so it was all a bit, you know, I was terrified. I was terrified. Are you? Yeah, I just didn't know what was going to happen, you know. Were you terrified of 
becoming a mother or were you terrified of the labour? I was terrified of the labour. It was like the great unknown. I felt like um, like that bit in Alien before he the alien leaps out of John Hurt's stomach, you know, like and you know something's <laughs> going to happen. But like the first time you watch it, you, did you know that the actors in that film, like Sigourney Weaver and all the rest of them, didn't know that the alien was going to burst out of John Hurt's stomach? Um, so Ridley Scott purposely didn't tell them because he wanted to get their genuine that kind reaction. of reactions. Mm. And I felt a bit like one of those actors, like when he starts to kind of vomit the blood or cough. And I was like, I know something's going to happen, but I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> is a child going to burst out of my... Is an alien going to burst out of my stomach? <laughs> and um, And I just felt like a child myself, you know, sitting there just clueless. And then did you have to go back in? Had your contractions started naturally or did you have to go back? So I'd had, I was having kind of contractions, but mm. nothing kind of like, they weren't coming thick and fast. <laughs> yeah, they weren't like regular. and No, they were kind of like every 20 minutes or okay, half an hour. So the... I can't remember exactly. So eventually we went back in. Yeah. And I remember eating lots of pasta. Mm. I remember having my like bag... A hospital bag and I'd been like <laughs> so I had done some preparations I got like some pumpkin seeds yeah all the things you'd never want to eat in labour never I remember when I was in actual labour the midwife saying to my husband go downstairs and get some Percy pigs yeah. from M&S yeah yeah <laughs> this, this is not gonna work but I so I went in I went in and um they induced me I remember meeting the midwife who got the measure of me really quickly wow she was quite firm with me, but she stayed with me the whole way through. I'd heard all these stories of midwives having to like change shift halfway through. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like heard all the horror stories. Do you know what I mean? Like all <laughs> of the horror stories. Oh, my birth was terrible. I remember my oldest, bestest friend had had a baby about four months before and something had happened to her whereby she had ended up having a C-section, but they hadn't actually anaesthetized her properly <gasps> oh, or something. Gosh. And, you know, like I, so I was like, oh, my God, this sounds awful. So you were just loaded with negativity and totally, fear. Totally, totally loaded with negativity and fear. And I think back to it and I think that I kind of feel like sometimes I, I, my husband described it as like, it's like going on holiday and reading a guidebook that only tells you about the flight. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, I, I was, I was so kind of obsessed and worried about it, but not in a constructive way. Do you, know Do you think you're obsessed about the wrong things? Yeah, I just, all I could see were the negatives, like what was going to go wrong, all of that. And then, mm. but then what was funny was that once I was there, I was kind of quite chilled. Do you think you felt safe being with the midwives and in the hospital? I felt so safe in that hospital, in yeah. that room. And I, I remember um, they started the, what is it called, Sintosin. Yeah, so you and, had to have the drip. Yeah. So you were at that 24-hour window. Yeah, I had to have the drip and the Sintosin started and then shit got real. <laughs> Did you have the Sintosin on drip before you had an epidural? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Then I had an epidural yeah. and then the epidural stopped working because it had fallen out of my back or something like that really does that oh. is that how it does that happen it can happen yeah yeah, yeah. but the, so then they just gave me another epidural yeah and i remember i remember taking and i remember doing a gas nair and i remember standing there naked just with the kind of the what, Monot the, the monitor yeah the my ctg belly. machine and it's st thomas's so just to give people a, an idea of the hospital i was in st thomas's is as central london as you can get it's on westminster bridge so 
you look out the window and then there's the Houses of Parliament, right? And then you look out the other window and there's the London Eye. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's quite... It's quite and a Big biz- Ben. Big Ben, yeah. It's quite a bizarre kind of incredible place to be, you know, have, having a baby. And But I remember standing there off my tits, you know, on gas and air. <laughs> and it must have been about seven in the morning by this point. And seeing all these people just like in suits walking to work, you know, like po- politicians probably and all their aides and all of that, like going to work to do normal things. And I was like, guys, everyone stop. I'm having a baby. Yeah, I remember standing there. Yeah, and thinking this is really bizarre. And then the midwife saying to me, um, you could like put a bra on or something. Like I had just got completely naked. I don't know why. Like I, I, any opportunity. Were you hot? I don't know. I just any opportunity to get naked, I will take it. <laughs> but I think it's really normal to be naked in labour. Um, I see a lot of women before they have their babies and they'll be talking about what they're putting in the hospital bag and they'll pack, you know, the bikini and everything if they want to have a water bath with them. Mm. But actually, I think being in labour is the most primal moment, really, yeah. as a woman. And I took all my clothes off in labour and I was in labour in front of my colleagues, <laughs> you know, yeah. but... I don't think there is a moment in labour where you think, God, I'm naked, this is really embarrassing. Like, there is no, no embarrassment this in labour. You know, it's so fascinating that you mentioned that because when I think about it, I lost a lot of my self-consciousness. Yeah. And in terms of my sexuality as well, that sounds like really crazy, but I was so uptight. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, what if what if he hears me fart? Or what if this happens? Or what if that happens? And oh my God, I had to look like the perfect woman, you know, like mm. swishing my sex hair around and just making the right sounds and all of that. And labour was the moment where I was like, fuck this. Mm. You know, this body is fucking incredible. I am fed up with doing it down the whole time. Yeah. You know, like, no, I'm going to be naked. I don't give a shit if it offends anyone. Like, I ain't putting a bra on. I think I might have put a bra on just because it's, you know, I've got quite large boobs, so they can be quite unwieldy without (laughs) without some proper structure. But, um, like, I just remember having a sense of wonder to to my body instead of a sense of kind of like self-loathing, which I'd had. And so that was the kind of moment for me that I lost a lot of my self-consciousness. And I think you're right, it is primal. Mm. And I, you know, it it, it does, you know, it does change. Yeah. I think women look the most beautiful when they're in labour. Really? Yeah. As a midwife, I have just kind of watched in awe women's bodies doing it Mm. and, you know, watching their uterus contract and relax and just thinking it's so powerful labor Mm. and there is just something really beautiful about watching women go into this state almost Mm. like our bodies are amazing so you'd been on the syntocin on drip oh yeah on the and you had the epidural recited because it didn't work yes and then what happened things weren't going no, what happened? I fully dilated. So you got to 10 oh, centimetres? Oh, yeah, I got to 10 centimetres. I was like, yes! Yeah, I felt like uh, an Olympian. And were you with the same <laughs> midwife or had yeah. you had the swap? No, she, no I hadn't had a swap. I was going to say, I thought yes. that she would go. She stayed with me. So she's overstayed her shift. Did she? So she could stay with me to the bitter end or the beautiful end. Had you started pushing now? I pushed for quite a while. And I knew it wasn't happening. Did you? I just couldn't understand how, with my meager pushing, it was gonna that the baby was gonna come. I I couldn't feel. It didn't feel like I was fully dilated, but it didn't feel like I was 
ready. Did you find, because you had an epidural, so obviously an epidural relaxes, mm. um, numbs all the um, muscle areas, so mm-hmm. you don't feel the contractions around mm. your uterus and in your back, which is amazing for labour because mm-hmm. it gives you an actual break. But then... The issue is, right, you've got to push this baby out. Now, without an epidural, you'll naturally start to feel pressure and Mm -hmm. pushing and like you need a big poo. And women often can find it really difficult with an epidural to know how to push and when to push. And with as a midwife, we have to sort of sometimes um, get women in different positions or say, right, try like this. And women find it really hard. A woman Mm -hmm. said to me the other day, it's like asking me to push in my earlobe. Like Mm -hmm. I can't feel what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. it is really hard. Do you think that kind of had an impact on... I'm not sure, and I, I, like I, the they the baby was stuck. I couldn't feel enough to push, and mm. I don't remember being kind of like I just remember feeling safe and taken care of, and that whatever happened, it was going to be okay. So you were never scared at this point. Never, no. That that was the weird thing. Like I, I yeah, I tried to push, I tried to push, and it went on for quite a while, and then. They um were like, we're going to take you to theatre because her heart rate was dropping. Mm-hmm. And we went to theatre and um they were like, we're going to try for a ventouse, which is like sucking the baby out with a hoover, I think. I mean, le- yeah. Is that what it's like? So an instrumental delivery um, <laughs> is either a ventouse or a forceps. So a ventouse is a little cup that sits on the baby's head and then the doctor will, no hoovers involved, but will gently start oh, okay. to pull the baby down. And then a forceps uh, often are described as two very large metal salad spoons, right. which go um, inside the vagina and then sit either side of the baby's head. The difference really is depending on what position the baby's in. Okay. So um, if the baby is very low in the pelvis mm. and the doctor thinks it just needs literally a little pull, they'll often use a ventouse. Mm-hmm. If the baby is slightly higher um, mm. in the pelvis and maybe is what we call malpositioned, so maybe the baby's head slightly tilted, the doctor will suggest a um, forceps delivery because they can rotate baby with forceps and turn them <laughs> what like a wrench <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> but like i i so it must have been a forceps that they were but they they were talking about doing an episiotomy and then the doctor said no we're going to do a c-section right and i was like oh god have you already given me the episiotomy oh. i was like for fuck's sake like had you had one no i thought they had but i was so out of it um, and they were like, no, we haven't. And he was like, I'm really sorry. I remember him apologising to really? me. He said, I'm really sorry, but we're going to have to do an emergency C-section. And I remember thinking, why are you apologising? I remember thinking, this is all going to be over in three minutes. In three minutes, I'm going to get to meet my baby. I was like, go for it. And all I have to do is lie here <laughs> and look up at the ceiling. Like, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to push. I don't have to, you know, like, I was like, don't apologise to me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I was relieved. I think I was quite relieved that it was just going to be over. Yeah. You know, and the unknown, you know, like often the kind of fear of it. Like the part of me couldn't believe that I was going to end up having an emergency C-section at the time. But then it was like the fear of it was was worse than the actual operation, so to speak. And I remember looking around at all of these people and looking at my husband. He wasn't my husband at the time. He was my boyfriend. But looking at him in like scrubs and thinking, oh, he looks so handsome. It's like George Clooney. (laughs) I remember looking at all these people and just feeling really happy, but also 
being aware that they seemed really young to me. And I remember being like, are you like the Muppet Babies? Like, you know, do you remember the Muppet Babies? Where they were all like yeah. mini versions of themselves, but yeah. they had like proper jobs. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and I was suits like, and things. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is the Muppet Babies. And then I was like, I started singing the Muppet Babies theme tune, which was like, Muppet Babies, they'll make your dreams come true. Muppet Babies, they'll do the same for... I can't remember the... I looked them up this morning and it was Did like, you sing it in your head I like loud? adventure. I like romance. <laughs> what was it? It was like... I sang it out loud. Did you? Yeah, my husband was like, oh my God, she's lost the plot. Because um, there's a lot of people in theatre for a C-section. There were a lot of there's people. There's about eight, normally. I can't, there were... It felt like there was a cast of thousands. But so you I'd felt, hoped for. I'd hoped for. You this know, is wanted, your moment, I wanted everyone Barney. to stop and come. I'm like, guys. And I felt really happy. I felt really happy, which may have been <laughs> some sort of painkiller that they'd given me that was making I, me high. I, I think I, possibly the um, I, fentanyl was I, making I you feel really great. I was like, this is fucking amazing. I felt wonderful. Oh, but the anaesthetist, yeah. um, she... It was like, give me your phone. I'm going to take pictures. So I have, you can have them if you want to put on the podcast notes. No one wants to see the pictures of like my abdomen flapping up in the bay. And it did look like Alien. It did look like the alien coming out of John Hurt's stomach. You except, had your moment. Except everyone was really happy. No one was terrified. And the ba- and the alien and the baby didn't like run away and then start like, and have like acid for blood and then start eating everyone. So that was, oh, I mean, she, sometimes I do question whether she has acid for blood. And if she's going to eat me alive, my daughter now. But it was wonderful. I just, oh, it was so, oh, I'm thinking about it now. And like, it was wonderful. Did and you I, know she was going to be a girl? Yeah. So they, did they hold her up and sort of say? Yeah, and then they handed, and then they sort of checked that she was, you know, all fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do the check. Yeah. And then they brought her over to you. And then they gave her to Harry. And then they gave her to me. And what then, did she look like? I mean, she just looked like a kind of, baby she just looked like a baby she looked like her she had she didn't look like you or harry or i your don't remember i still can't father-in-law see. I yeah. my baby looked like my father-in-law and she came out i don't remember i remember thinking i don't care what this baby looks like just as long as she's funny <laughs> and happy yeah and that night i remember lying there in bed with big ben out the window and the baby edie next to me and I just remember being like, just so happy. They must have given me a shitload of morphine by that point. Oh, it may have been oxytocin. And I just was the dri- best drug. I was just kind of drifting in and out asleep. And I just felt, I was like, it's all going to be okay. Mm. It's all going to be okay. You've got this, Bryony. Like, I just felt that thing of that instinctual. I just felt like it was fine. I was really worried that I was going to be worried because I, you know, from 12, I'd had obsessive compulsive disorder and this form of pure O, which makes you worry that harm will come to others or that you might harm some people and and blank it out in horror. And I was really worried that that was going to happen immediately. You know, that was going to be my experience, but it wasn't. It was the opposite. Like I felt like my OCD for a for like, certainly for the first six or seven months, completely retracted. It was weird because a lot of new mums do develop obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. But I think because I'd had it since I was 12, I was so used to that kind of thinking that it was like a doddle for me. I felt really relaxed and safe, which I hadn't expected at all. Like my experience of pregnancy had been so full of, you know, hot worry and anxiety that it was, 
You know, it was a pleasant surprise, weirdly. In each episode of Birth Stories, my guests and I are going to take a question from a listener and try to help them out. Here's this week's question. I have anxiety and it's especially triggered when I feel out of control. So I'm really nervous about giving birth. How can I keep myself calm and mitigate my anxieties? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's quite apt that we've got that one this week and yeah, you're our guest. Yeah. Um, well, I think that actually, you know what I feel happens? Like, I don't know. And it may be different for everyone. But I think once you're in it, it's yeah. like that it go. You know what I mean? Like for me... As I said earlier, the anxiety about the event was far worse than the actual event. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's really important to remember that. The like, thought is worse than the actual process. Yeah, once you're in it, you know you've just got to go through it and mm. you've got to do it. And your, you know, your natural kind of instincts and your, you know, survival stuff kicks in. And mm-hmm. I always think that that is, you know, that's often the case with anxiety in so many different experiences you know worrying about a job interview or you know like a, a big event that you've got to go to mm-hmm. or something like that often the the leading up to it like for me like flying it's like the the it's the leading up to it but once I'm actually on the plane you're fine I'm fine as long as it's fine but like the you know <laughs> it's the it's that thing and I, so I think that you know I also think it's really important to remind yourself that it's totally normal to feel anxious about the fact you're about to give birth to a child. It's fight or flight, isn't it? Yeah, and I think sometimes we are so scared of... When we feel these things, we're like, oh my God, this means I'm a failure as a person. It's not. It's actually quite the opposite. Yeah. Like, the fact that you are worried about this is normal and it's a sign that you're human. And actually, I would be more anxious if you, were wor- if you weren't worried about yeah. it. You know, you're about to give birth. So just just accept it. Everyone feels, the se- most people feel the same way. And, you know, feel it. Just feel it. Just let it go through you and accept mm. that it's a normal way. Uh, you know, it's yeah, as you said, it's fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And like I find these things with these thoughts is like let the thoughts happen, but don't like just let them pass. Don't like jump on them, give them mouth to mouth and be like, come on, back to life, <laughs> you know, and give them all this sort of like energy. Yeah, um, I've looked after lots of women who have been really anxious pre-birth. Um, and one of the things I do think really helps is doing some kind of hypnobirthing or meditation. I mean, even the word hypnobirthing, I think, can bring up a lot of like negative connotations because actually what hypnobirthing is it's just breathing yeah it's just learning to breathe and like you said not trying to shut away those feelings of anxiety and this person's talking a lot about control as well she feels anxious when she feels out of control um it's just having letting that feeling sit there Mm. and being comfortable with it Mm. um i do think the importance of writing your birth plan birth preferences is still really important because it allows your midwife to be able to kind of get an idea of what kind of person you are and the things that can be really um, helpful to you or things that make you feel really anxious like it may be something as simple like i really don't like it when people talk or whisper and i'm in labor because you know, that might make a woman feel like they're talking about her or like discussing her care, but actually it might be just the midwife saying, do you want a cup of tea to her colleague or something like mm. that. And also you have to remember that your birth partner, whoever that person is, is that advocate for you as well. 
So if you're pregnant and you're feeling these feelings of worry, anxiety, I don't know, lack of control, talk to your person who's going to be with you in labour, whether that's your mum or if you've got a doula or your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, because they're the ones that are going to be able to say, Bryony really is self-conscious about taking her clothes off. (laughs) (laughs) Bryony really hates... um, Having clothes on. (laughs) Having clothes on. (laughs) Or like feeling out of control... So it's just things like that. And communication. It's just, I mean, it is simple communication. Women feel scared when they don't know what's happening. But also I feel like that thing of like fear of being out of control is like, you know, just have some faith and trust, you know, that people know what they're doing yeah. and go with it and communicate with them yeah. openly. And, you know, and don't... And it's your birth. Like, yeah. you know, ask questions. Absolutely. I love it when women say, I don't understand what you mean. Can you say that mm. again? Or can someone just explain exactly what's happening now? And that is our role as midwives and, and health professionals caring for women, that we should be doing that all the time. Mm. My favourite is actually when I have a student because you have to explain things in layman's terms. And it's brilliant for the women because you, the women are like, oh, I didn't know that. Mm. Um, well, if I do have another baby, will you deliver it? <laughs> You'll birth your baby. I'll just be there. I'm not. <laughs> Women deliver their babies, oh, not okay. midwives. Well, there we go. I've learned that today. <laughs> I love the way I'm talking about this like imaginary pregnancy, which I'm not going to have or not. Do you know what I mean? Um, but it's nice to know that you're there. Yeah, I can come. I could be your doula. You're like, don't worry, Bryony. I was like, I be, I'll just drop everything. <laughs> I, better, I better get on it, really. Thank you to our lovely anonymous listener for writing in. If you'd like me to answer your question on the podcast, please email birthstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Bryony, thank you so much for coming in and telling us your birth story. How can people find out more about you? Uh, Well, I'm on Instagram, Bryony Gordon, and I've got a book out for teenage girls yes I'm really excited about this this is all the things I wish someone had told me at 12 that I'm only finding out now at 38 called you got this that's brilliant thank you thank you thanks for thanks for listening I haven't told that story for a long time I feel it's really like reconnected me and made me feel a bit emotional especially because it's her birthday in a couple in a week you know it's really special thank you for sharing thank you for listening Thank you for listening to Birth Stories with me, Clemmy Hooper. Remember to subscribe on your favourite podcast app so that you can listen as soon as the podcast comes out each week. And please rate it and leave a review if you have time. You can find more Birth Stories on my blog, Gas and Air. And you can find me on Instagram at Mother of Daughters. Birth Stories was produced by Hannah Varrell and created by Offscript. 